that. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 John, 1 John 5, 4. 1 John 5, 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. For everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory, the, everybody say victory, that overcomes the world, even our faith. Everybody say faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith, everybody say faith, Faith. is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we cannot, do not see in the physical. This morning I want to continue my series entitled Unstoppable. And last week, as we celebrated Easter in a very big way, and on Easter, we want to thank God for what God did, but we started a brand new series, and this series is about being unstoppable. You see, when God makes up his mind, when God determines something, when God has a plan for your life, listen to me, God is unstoppable. You see, we serve an unstoppable God, and the truth is God wants you and I to possess an unstoppable spirit. God wants you and I to possess a winning attitude, a winning spirit. He wants us to possess a passion for life. He wants you and I to live life to the fullest, and he wants us to be unstoppable in our attitude. He wants us to have a never-say-die attitude, and last week on Easter, we looked at the fact that because Jesus is alive, that we have an unstoppable hope. Everybody say hope. uh, Peter says in Peter 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into, listen to me, an unstoppable hope, a living hope, an undeniable, undaunting, unstoppable hope that comes, listen to me, as Peter says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he's given us this inheritance that cannot perish or spoil or fade. This inheritance, the Bible says, is kept for us in heaven. But this morning, I believe that God wants us to possess not only unstoppable hope, but he wants us to possess unstoppable faith. Everybody say faith. And in Luke chapter 8, we find the story of unstoppable faith. I want you to look at Luke chapter 8, verse 42. But as he went, the crowds nearly suffocated him, and among them was a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years who had derived no benefits from anybody's treatment. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak with the result that her hemorrhage stopped at once. Everybody say, her hemorrhage stopped at once. The bleeding stopped. Who was it that touched me, said Jesus, and when everybody denied it, Peter demonstrated or demonstrated, he said, Master, the crowds are all around you and are pressing on every side. But Jesus said, somebody touched me, 
for I felt the power that went out from me. When the woman realized that she had not escaped notice, she came forward trembling and fell at his feet and admitted before everybody why she had touched him and how she had been instantaneously cured. Daughter, said Jesus, it is your faith that has healed you. It is your faith. Everybody say, it is your faith that's made you whole. Go in shalom. Go in peace. Verse 43 says, the crowd was so dense, the crowd was so big, and the crowd was so demanding that it almost suffocated Jesus. There were people all around Jesus, and they were pushing, and they were shoving, and they were trying desperately to get to Jesus. But there was one woman who stood out from amongst the whole crowd. Why? Because this woman had, listen to me, this woman had unstoppable faith. She had undeniable faith. She had an undaunting faith. She had a faith that made her unstoppable. What's her story? Her story is that she was bleeding. She was hemorrhaging for 12 years. I don't know how she didn't die. And she was physically depleted. 12 years of mental and emotional letdowns. Why? Because when you are a person, according to the book of Leviticus, who's hemorrhaging or bleeding and constantly bleeding, you become unclean. And if you're unclean, no one can come near you, no one can touch you. So not only was she depleted physically, but emotionally and relationally, this woman was at her last straw. She was, she was at her last wit's end. And she had, she had tried everything. She had, she had tried all kinds of cures because people promised her that she would be better. She would be well. And every time she went away, she went away with less money, with less hope, and with less joy. But now she knows that Jesus comes to town, and now she once again gets hope. Hope and faith work hand in hand. And she's determined to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. Notice verse 45. When she is, gets to the point where she touches Jesus, Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? Who touched me? And, and Peter says, Jesus are you crazy? Do you know how many people are around you? There are people touching you all over. In fact, there's so many people that they're pressing in on you and you're asking the question, who touched me? And Jesus said, I know that somebody touched the heart of God. I know that somebody tapped into my anointing. I know that somebody touched my presence or my miracle working heart. I know that. Why? Because immediately I felt virtue. Immediately I felt the anointing. Immediately I felt something supernatural. I felt the miracle reckless go out of my body and touch somebody who touched me 
And this woman knew that she was going to be found out. And listen, she was afraid. Why was she afraid? Because you don't touch a rabbi when you're unclean. You don't touch somebody that's a man of God when you're unclean. So she was really afraid that the Jewish people, the rabbis or or the Pharisees were going to kick her out of the temple or, or worse than that, stone her to death. So she was afraid. Listen to me. I want you to know today that we are all unclean and we're all sinners saved by the grace of God. And when we came to the master, he was willing to touch us. He was willing to touch our lives and change our lives. We came unclean to the master, but the master didn't throw us out. The master accepted us. Hallelujah. And he loved us and he touched us. He said, I'm willing to be clean. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that you serve a Jesus that loved you so much that you can come into the presence of almighty God unclean and walk away clean. You can come with a a sickness or an ailment and walk away healed. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Help me out today. The Bible tells us that, that she fell to her knees and she said, it was me. Notice what she said. It was me, Lord God, that was touched. That moment The moment that somebody touched me, incredible power came out of me. I know it, and I want to know who it is. Something that motivated this woman to press in. Something that motivated this woman to keep on pursuing her miracle. Something motivated this woman to be unstoppable. Something motivated this woman to keep pushing her way all the way in until she touched Jesus. There was no way that she was going to stop. And suddenly, after 12 years, her hemorrhage stops. She's unstoppable, but her cure is stopped in a moment. The blood stops flowing. And Jesus wants to know, who touched me? And the woman, when she realized that she could not escape, look what it says. She could not escape notice. She came forward trembling and fell to her feet and admitted before everyone why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Daughter, said Jesus, your faith has made you whole. She fell at Jesus' feet and she told Jesus her story. You know what? We all have a story, don't we? And our story is the greatest thing that we can offer this world today. We all have a story that we were unclean. We all have a story that we were desperate. We all had a story that we needed a savior. We all had a story that that somehow, some way we pushed through the crowds and we touched the heart of Jesus and Jesus touched our lives and changed us. We all have a story. Go tell your story. Come on, somebody. Go tell your story. For 12 years, She said, Jesus, I kept on believing that there was another way. For 12 years, I tried every other option, every other possible solution. But now I I realize I'm completely out of every other option. And now all I have is God. So I said to myself, whatever it takes, however long it takes, whatever I have to do, I'm going to touch Jesus. Because I know that without a shadow of a doubt, that all I need to do is touch Jesus. All I need to do is reach out to Jesus. All I need to do is touch his very hem of his garment and I will be made whole. And somewhere between desperation and belief, something changed in her spirit. Faith came alive. 
Faith exploded in her soul. Faith becomes real to her. Faith becomes stronger than her doubt. Her unbelief is is swallowed up by her faith and she reaches down and she reaches up and she reaches out and Jesus reaches down and Jesus delivers her and brings a miracle in her life. What really happened? She decided that there was no other option in her life but God and God alone. And I want you to know today that if you're going to be a person of unstoppable faith, if you're going to be a person that's got a winning spirit, you've got to get to the point in your life that there's no other option in your life but God and God alone. You see, faith, real faith, is rooted in one thing. It's rooted in your understanding that without God, you can do nothing, and your faith is rooted in a God that loves you and has a plan for your life. That's why Jesus said, have faith in God. You see, sometimes we've got faith in faith. Sometimes we've got faith in the church. Sometimes we've got faith in ourselves. But until you get to the point where you've got no other option in life but God and God alone, your faith will never come to alive. Your faith will never be uh, moving in the right direction until you recognize that you've got to have faith in the right thing. It's not faith in faith. It's not faith in the pastor. It's faith in the master. Come on, somebody. It's faith in God. And I think sometimes God's got to strip you of all your options. See, that's the problem in America. We've got too many options. That's why we don't have faith. We have faith until we need to go to the doctor. We have faith until there's another option. But listen to me, sometimes God, I'm telling you right now, in your marriage, sometimes God does it in your physical body. Sometimes God does it relationally. Sometimes God does it financially. He strips you down to nothing so that you'll be broken enough to say, I got nothing but God. And then when you get to that point where you know that you've got nothing but God. You've got everything that you need. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And this morning, God wants you to possess an unstoppable faith, a faith that becomes a shield that protects you from the fiery darts of the enemies, a faith that believes that whatever you face in your life, God will see you through every time. A faith that will believe that God is a God that can do the miraculous and that you can believe for miracles in your life. A faith that will never give up, that will never stop believing, that will never stop pressing in to know Jesus because there's more of Jesus that we can know in our life. A faith that will never quit believing that God can do whatever you need him to do in your life. A faith that can even trust God even when you don't have the answer. Come on, somebody. She said, I cannot second guess. I cannot turn back now. I must keep pressing on until the answer comes. And I'm here to tell you today, you cannot turn back now. You have come too far to turn back now. Hallelujah. I said, you have come too far. You have invested too much, hallelujah. You've invested yourself. You've invested your faith. You've invested your family. You've invested your children. You've invested your marriage. You've invested your life. You cannot turn back. You've come too far now, hallelujah. Keep pressing in. Keep believing. Keep trusting God, baby. You've come too far. That's why 1 John says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. 
And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Peter says, it's a hope that we have deep down in our heart that is unperishable. And John says, it is a faith that is unstoppable. And this faith overcomes the world. Listen to me. Everyone who is born of God has a seed of unstoppable faith. Let me say that again. Everyone that is born of God, everyone that is born again, when the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you, he gave you unstoppable faith. See, faith is not of yourself. You can't muster up faith. Faith comes from God. Faith is something that God gives you. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And when you're born again, he puts that seed of faith into your spirit. In fact, you can't even be born again. You can't come into the kingdom of God. The Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith, and that faith is not of yourself. It's of God. So God impregnated you with a seed of faith. It's there. You have to figure out what you're going to do with that faith. You can kill that seed or you can make that seed come alive. You can make that seed be fruitful and multiply and and bring an incredible harvest out of that seed. But that faith is inside of you. Everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit who's born again. And as a result of that, you possess the fruit of faith in your life. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you're still the funniest looking person I've ever seen in my life, but you've got faith. Come on, tell them you've got faith. Come on, tell them you've got faith. (laughs) Hebrews 11.4 tells us it's impossible to please God without faith. You can't please God without faith. And the only way you can please God is through grace. And so grace and faith work hand in hand. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that we can't be obedient without faith. In fact, the word faith in the Greek is pistos, which means this. It means a confidence. It is a confident belief in something that causes you to act in obedience. It's not just, it's not just hearing the word, but it's being a, a doer of the word. By faith, Abraham did something. By faith, Moses did something. By faith, Noah built the ark. Faith always leads us to obedience. Faith always leads us to to obeying the voice of God and stepping out of the boat and believing God that when you step out of the boat, the water is going to solidify and you're going to be able to walk on water. Faith is believing God for miracles and you can't believe God, you can't receive miracles, you can't trust God, you can't know anything about God until you come to him in faith. Rest assured that God is in control. Without faith, you cannot understand that. In fact, our entire Christian walk in life is one big act of faith. Think about it. It's one big act of unstoppable faith. That's why Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 that those who are right with God, those who live right, those that will be blessed by God must live by faith. The righteous will live by unstoppable faith. Come on, say that with me. The righteous will live by unstoppable faith. I mean, you look at all the folks in in Hebrews chapter 11. They kept on building, Unstop, not, not just faith, but unstoppable faith. Noah would not stop building the ark. They laughed at him, but he kept on doing it. When everyone said that he was crazy, when everyone told him to give up because it was never going to happen, when everyone told him it was never going to rain, by faith, Noah kept on building the ark. That's unstoppable. 
God told Abraham to leave. And Abraham obeyed the Lord and he was unstoppable. And the Bible tells us in Romans that he did not waver in unbelief, but in his faith, he was strengthened, believing and considering that even though his wife's womb was dead, God can create out of death life. Come on, somebody. That's what Easter is all about. That's unstoppable faith. The three Hebrew boys were unstoppable in their faith. You can throw me in the fiery furnace, but I will not bow. Why? Because I have an unstoppable faith. And when Paul was thrown into prison, he said he kept on preaching because the word of God was not bound to that prison. He had unstoppable faith. And my friend, the only way that you and I will keep on running this race, the only way that we'll keep on believing God, even when we face difficult times in our life, The only way that we'll keep on trusting God when we don't understand why things happen, the only way that we will remain obedient, living for God, loving God, and loving others is when we possess unstoppable faith. So this morning, I want to give you some powerful characteristics of unstoppable faith for the next few moments. Number one, unstoppable faith. Write this down. Unstoppable faith has been stripped of every other option than God. She tried everything else. She tried the doctors, she tried other remedies, but she had only one other option left, and that was God. And I want you to know today, the reason why so many Christians don't experience real unstoppable faith is because they're really not trusting in God. Have you put your faith totally in God today? I mean, to the point where you recognize that only God can give you what you really need in life. Only God can do what you really need to happen in your life. Jesus tells us that faith is not a feeling. Faith is not hyping myself up. Faith is not trying hard to believe. Faith is not convincing myself that something is real. Now, I know that there are a lot of people, there are a lot of mystics in this world, there are a lot of spiritual people in the world, in this world, and they're putting their faith in the wrong thing. And they're, they're, they're just simply saying, you know, if I believe that this, this is a Cadillac, it's a Cadillac. <laughs> and there are a lot of preachers that are trying to teach people to say the right thing, say the right formula. If you just say this word, if you just say this phrase, if you just quote this scripture, then you're going to get what you want. And you know, that's just kind of, that's witchcraft because they're not teaching people that they need to actually have faith in God, that they actually have to be stripped of themselves and they have to come to Jesus and make Jesus Lord of their life. And faith is not just hyping ourselves up. It's not just hearing a really good sermon and going out and saying, I'm really going to believe today for my miracle. You see, According to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is two things. I want you to write this down. Faith is two things. Number one, faith is being sure of what we hope for. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. Remember last week we said that hope is confidently knowing. Hope is the anchor of our soul. See, biblical hope is a confident expectation of what God has already promised. Hope is a a confident expectation of what's already there for us. We have a hope. It's called the blessed hope that Jesus is going to return again. That is our hope. 
We have a hope that when we die, we are going to go to heaven. We have a hope that God is going to change this world. He's going to make a new world, a new heaven and a new earth. We have a hope that God is going to wipe away every tear and take away every sorrow. That is hope. And listen to me, those things are not a reality in our life today. That's why it's hope. But hope is not just hoping that something is going, wishing that something is going to happen. This hope, this biblical hope that that Paul is talking about, this biblical hope that Peter is talking about, this living hope is not something that we're just kind of wishing. I, I, I hope that when I when I get to heaven, it's really real. I, I hope that when I get to heaven, you know, I'm not going to be at Motel 6. I, I hope that I'm going to really have a mansion. You know, I, it may work out, it may not work out. I'm just kind of hoping. Do you, ever, do you ever say that? I'm just, I'm just hoping. No, 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 no. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is being positively sure. It's really there. And we're living for that hope. We're living for that reality. Hope is reality. It's a different reality in the sense that we don't see it today, but we know it's there. So biblical hope, listen to me, is a deep abiding assurance that no matter what we're facing today, no matter what we're going through right now, no matter what it looks like outside in in, in the world around us, inside, we have this unstoppable hope because our hope is built on Christ, the solid rock, and it's an unchanging reality of a better future. It's a hope that is energizing our dreams and gives giving flight to our passions. It's a hope that lightens the darkness all around us and it points us to a brighter future and it's hope that works hand in hand with faith. That's why hope knows and faith acts. Let me say that again. Hope knows and faith acts. So faith is being sure. Faith is believing. Faith is being certain. And faith is rooted in hope, and it is energized by faith. That's why the Bible tells us that Abraham, against all hope, believed in hope. Wow. Against all hope. In other words, when the odds were firmly against Abraham, do you have something in your life that seems like the odds are are, are against you? Hey, the Bible says that Abraham, against all hope, when everybody said, there's no hope, Your, your wife's womb is dead, there's no hope for a child, you're past that point in your life. Abraham said, against all hope, I choose to believe. And it says he did not waver in unbelief, but he was strengthened in his faith. Come on, somebody. Faith and hope work hand in hand. So hope says, I have a hope that one day my son or daughter will be set free from drugs. Faith says, I'm sure my hope will become a reality. Come on, somebody. Hope says, I have a hope when I die, I'll go to heaven. Faith says, I'm sure when I die, that hope will become a reality. So hope is knowing. Faith is being absolutely sure it will come to pass. But faith is also seeing what God sees. Listen to me. Faith is being sure of the things we hope for. But faith is also being able to see what God sees. Faith is being sure of the things we hope for. And the evidence of what? 
things that we cannot see with our natural eyes. That's what, that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. He's saying faith gives you vision to see what God can already see. See, God can already see heaven. You can't see it, but God can. God can see you blessed. God can see you healed. God can see you set free. God can see your son or your daughter coming home. Come on, somebody. God can see your son or daughter free from drugs and alcohol. God can see your marriage put back together. God can see anything. And faith is able to tap into what God sees and say, yes, I believe this is my hope. And I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. That woman Somewhere between desperation and determination, she could see, if I can only, listen to me, she could see it. She said, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, if I can only touch, ooh, yeah, hallelujah, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. She could see it. She could see herself whole. She could see the bleeding stop. She could see herself going back into the temple again saying, I'm clean, hallelujah. She could see herself getting a job again. She could see herself reunited with a family. She could see the reality of what God could already see in her life. You see, and that's what you've got to be able to see. Hebrews 11 tells us faith is being certain of things that we cannot see in the natural. You see, faith is being able to see what God can do. Faith is able to see what God wants for you. That's why I love what it says in Ephesians chapter one, verse 18. I want you to write this verse down. This is a powerful verse. This is my prayer for you. As the people of God, this is my prayer for you. This was Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. I ask that the eyes of your heart he talking about, is he talking about a physical heart? I pray that the eyes of your spirit, I pray that the eyes of your soul, I pray deep down in your heart, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The word enlightened, that you might know, that you totally can grab a hold of and comprehend so that you may know the hope, there it is, that word hope, of his calling and the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. In other words, Paul's saying, I pray that your eyes can be open. I mean, all through the Bible, we see that, that people are praying for other people that their eyes may be open. Huh? And I think one of the greatest stories in the Bible is the story of Elijah. The story of Elijah. Elijah, he's a man of God and hears from God. And every time a wicked king is trying to come against the armies of the Lord, Elijah gets the answer where they are and what they're going to do, and he, and he sees the plan. So the wicked king tells one of his officials, I want you to find out what in the world is going on. Who's the mole? Who's the guy? Who's the person that's in our camp that's telling them what's going to happen? Who's the leader? And, and one of the king's officials says, there's no leader. There's a man of God. Hallelujah. There's a man of God, and his name is Elijah. And he says, and every time you make a plan, God tells him what the plan is. I mean, you could be in your bedroom. 
You know, you could have the cone of silence, like get smart, you know, that cone of silence, you know, and you could try your best to, 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 to soundproof the room. But every time you get a plan and you tell somebody the plan, the man of God hears the plan and the plan is thwarted. He goes, you better get that man. And so he sends a bunch of army men around his, his city. He sends them around Jerusalem. He sends them around the man of God's house. And the Bible says that the man of God gets up and he sees that his servant is panicking. And he's like, dude, what's going on? What's the matter? And the guy says, listen, he says, I, I looked out the window and there's soldiers all around the house. There's soldiers all around the city and they're coming to get you, Elijah. And this time we're going to die. And notice what Elijah says. Oh, God, open his eyes that he might see that there's more for us than against us. And suddenly his eyes were open and he could see chariots of fire and he could see spiritual forces of, of great heavenly angels that, that were surrounded around them and there were more for the army of God than there were against them and I want you to know today that I want your eyes to be open so that you can see if God is for you who can be against you hallelujah there's no situation there's no circumstance in your life that God cannot reach down and touch it why because if God is for you then there's nothing in the whole world that come against you that will prosper hallelujah sickness cannot prosper depression cannot prosper anxiety cannot prosper drug addiction cannot prosper why because you're a child of the living God hallelujah and you're blessed by God it will not prosper in your life hallelujah because there's more for you than against you hallelujah did I come to the right church this morning I said, did I come to the right church this morning? Come on, somebody. You see, you and I, we'll either see with the eyes of faith or we're going to see with the eyes of fear. And what happens when you see with the eyes of fear? See, you're, you're either going to be operating in fear or in faith. There's no other option. Listen to me. Christian, there's no other option. And there's way too many Christians that operate in fear. And that's why they don't see the great things of God. Do you think for one moment that there are times when I don't think to myself, I got to be crazy to do the things that I do as a pastor? I mean, who's going to provide all the money for that big venue for Easter? Are you crazy? Who's going to provide all the money for this big building? Who's going to provide the money for the multis? Who's going to provide the money for the churches that we build around the world? Who's going to, you know what? And every once in a while, the enemy comes in and says, what if? And I say, devil, you get out of this place because I'm telling you, I serve a mighty God. And if God is for me, who can be against me? And I just keep going forward, glory to God. But there's too many Christians that they don't go forward. They shrink back. When God's telling you to do something, when God's telling you to, that you need to step out in faith, when God's telling you to believe God for something big in your life, you shrink back. And I want to tell you, God has no pleasure in those that shrink back. Amen. But see, we can operate in fear or we can operate in faith. See, fear stops just dead in our tracks. Fear stops you dead in your tracks. Fear paralyzes you and keeps you from enjoying the promised land. You know, I think of, I think of Goliath while he's, while he's taunting the, the people of God 
God told them, you're going to possess the whole land. Everything's yours. And the Bible says that Goliath begins to taunt the armies of the living God, and they were stopped dead in their tracks. But David believed in a God that was bigger than the giants, and he had unstoppable faith. Listen to me. That giant's big, but the bigger they are, the harder they fall. I'm keeping I'm moving forward, glory to God. And I think of the Israelites when they were going into the promised land. And God said, send 12 spies into the promised land and let them go see the blessings of God. Listen to me. God didn't tell them to go into the promised land so that they come back afraid. He told them to go into the promised land so that they could bring a good report to all the people and tell the people, listen, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen it. This stuff is good. But you see, fear always emphasizes your problems. It overemphasizes your problems. Where you're going, yeah, it's good. But there are giants in the land. And, and fear always makes you minimize who you are in Christ. You ever notice? Fear challenges who you are in Christ. It pushes against you and says, you can't do that. You're not educated enough. You're not blessed enough. You're not holy enough. You're not righteous enough. And it pushes against you. And you've got to know who you are. And the Bible says they went into the promised land and 10 of them came back and said, man, there are giants in the land and we look like grasshoppers in our own sight. You see, fear minimizes who you are in Christ. It overestimates the the enemy of your life and it underestimates who you are in Christ. And it stops you dead in your tracks. And as a result of that, Fear eventually causes you, listen to me, to blame God for the circumstance you're in in your life. I mean, the Israelites were were champions at that. They were blaming God all the time. (laughs) They're delivered out of Egypt, and they're they're in the wilderness. They're in the desert now, and every time they encounter a problem, every single time they encounter a problem, can't you imagine? They have no water. But just a few days before, whatever it might have been, how long it might have been, they passed through the Red Sea. God, like, whoosh. When's the last time you went to the beach and you saw the waters like, whoosh, and Charlton Heston coming out of the water? They turned the water into blood, sent the pestilence and killed the firstborn. And now we don't have water. And notice what they say. Man, God, you brought us into this desert. You tricked us so that we can die in this desert. We want to go back to Egypt. That's what always happened. Fear sends you cowering back into your closet. Go back. You can't go forward. You you can't go forward. You can't go forward in your marriage. You can't go forward believing God that God's going to heal you. Don't even say it because if you say it, you've got to believe it. No, don't say it. Don't do it. Just go back into your corner. And there's so many Christians that are cowering in the corner and you're afraid. You're afraid of the enemy. You're filled with anxiety. But we serve a living God. We serve a great God. We serve a mighty God. And you can believe God. If he said it, he'll come through. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So the difference between fear and faith, what happens when you walk by faith? What happens when you see things with the eyes of faith? Then nothing becomes impossible with God. When Sarah wanted to desperately have a baby, God said to Sarah, Sarah, is there anything too difficult for God? When Jeremiah could not believe 
that God could use him because he was just a young boy. God said, is there anything too difficult for me, Jeremiah? When Mary could not see, when she could not believe, how in the world am I going to be pregnant? I have not known a man. The angel of the Lord says, is anything too difficult with God? Faith says, is there anything too difficult for God? It starts with the understanding that God can do whatever he wants to do. All things are possible with God. I want you to start believing that. I want you to start believing. I want you to start saying it over and over and over again. All things are possible with God. I want you to believe it with all your heart. I want you to ask God to make it real in your life that there's nothing, there's nothing too difficult for God. Nothing in this world. Your son or daughter can get off of drugs. Your marriage can be restored. Financially, you can be blessed. God can launch you out into ministry. Whatever it is, nothing is too difficult for God. God can heal a broken body. God can heal a broken marriage. God can renew broken dreams. God can redeem a sinful heart. God can revive your dead dreams today. God can do anything. I say God can do anything, 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 anything. And faith always begins with being sure that God can do anything. That's why Jesus said, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that which will happen, it will be done. Therefore, when you pray and you ask, believe that you have already received it and it will be yours. Oh, I know we've tried our formulas and they didn't work. And we've tried that out. We've tried that scripture out before. It didn't work. You know why? Because you were putting your faith in faith, not in God. See, because I believe. I, I believe. I've been praying for my wife that she will hear one day. She will hear one day. I believe it from the, from the, from the core of my soul. When and how, that's up to God. But I know one day she'll hear music. I know one day she'll hear the angels singing in heaven. I know she will be healed without a shadow of a doubt. So I keep pressing in. I keep on praying. I keep on believing. I'm praying for some of you. I'm praying that God will deliver you from grouchiness and grumpiness. And I'm believing that one Sunday morning you will be smiling. Hallelujah. I'm believing for you, glory to God. Number two, real quick. Secondly, faith gives us courage to face difficult situations in your life with courage. Listen to me. God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we pray it. Come on, somebody. Because he has great wisdom. And sometimes God will choose to allow us to go through the fire instead of delivering us from the fire. And the three Hebrew boys, when they were thrown in the fire, they had more faith than anyone else. They said, we believe, we believe anything is possible with God. God can do anything. We believe God can deliver us, but if he chooses not to, we're still not going to bow to you. Why? Because their hope was rooted in heaven. They knew that if they died, the moment that they died, they opened their eyes and they would be in the very presence of God Almighty. You see, the book of Hebrews, and, 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 and actually chapter 11, is divided into two groups of people. Listen to me. Look at me as I close. As the worship team comes. Hebrews chapter 11 is actually divided into two different types of people. People that were delivered and people that were not instantly delivered. 
If you read, and I want, you, I want to give you a homework assignment, okay? I want you to read Hebrews chapter 11. How many of you are still reading through the Bible? Come on, let me see your hands. Oh, praise. Look at this. I'm so proud of you guys. Raise your hands a little higher. I got to take a picture of this right now. Oh, my gosh. I died and went to heaven. My church is reading the Bible. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's awesome. I want you to reread Hebrews chapter 11, and you will find in Hebrews chapter 11 that, number one, you look at faith, and it defines what faith is, and then it shows you people that were living by faith, and it shows you that, that people that live by faith are obedient to what God has called them to do. So faith is translated into obedience. Hmm? And then it goes into a section about people that were delivered from all kinds of things. They were delivered from death. They were delivered from persecution. Notice it. They were delivered from, from, from animals. They were delivered from all kinds of stuff. And then it says, and some of those people were not delivered. And they wandered around in sheep clothing, destitute, hungry. And it said, and this world is not worthy of those kinds of people. He says, because they chose to wait for their deliverance. They trusted God for their deliverance. What am I trying to say today? I'm trying to tell you that you win no matter what. You win no matter what. Why? Because our faith goes deeper than even what we can understand. That our faith causes us to be obedient to God, to trust God while we're going through the fires of life. While we're facing difficulties in our life. Yes, the answer will come. All of those people, let me tell you something right now. All of those people, the two different kinds of people in Hebrews chapter 11, they all came into their full deliverance. Some of them did that before heaven. Some of them did that after heaven. All of them did it together as they rejoiced and saw that God was faithful to every one of his promises. Come on, somebody say amen today. And so real faith causes us to be obedient no matter what we're going through in our life. And so Hebrews chapter 12, listen to me, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12, Hebrews 11, by faith, faith is, these were delivered, these weren't, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run our race with perseverance and faith, casting off all things that hinder us and so easily besets us, keeping our eyes fixed on, listen to me, the author and finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author of our faith. He gave you faith, and he'll be the finisher of your faith. And maybe this morning, you're going through the fire your faith will be made unstoppable when you put your full trust in God alone. This woman with the issue of blood was unstoppable. She kept pressing in. She kept believing. She kept hoping. She kept on moving forward into her destiny. And whatever you're facing right now, your faith will make you unstoppable. I want you to close your eyes right now. And I want you to picture an unstoppable faith. I want you to picture yourself running your race. Come on, close your eyes. Close your eyes, everybody in this room. And I want you to picture yourself running this race, this unstoppable race with faith. Why? Because faith quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. 
faith says, God, when others say, you can't do it, I say, you can do it. Faith says, when I cannot do it, I can do it because I know deep down in my heart that God has told me that I can do it. Faith breathes life into dry bones. Faith walks on the water. Faith moves mountains. Faith defies obstacles. Let me tell you today, faith sees what other people cannot see. Faith seizes divine opportunities. It unlocks God's kingdom. It shuts the mouths of lions. It walks on the water. It speaks every day to you. Every moment it speaks life into your life. Faith dares to dream big dreams. Faith breathes. It whispers. It screams. It awakens. It defies. It determines. It delivers. It doesn't give up. Faith even takes us to the doorstep of death and it laughs at the grave. Hallelujah. Why? Because faith says God is a good God. Faith says God is a God filled with hope. Faith says when it's all said and done, I win. Why? Because God has given me this hope in eternal life. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. Father, I pray right now that we would be people of faith, Lord God. No matter what we're facing today, Lord, make us unstoppable. No matter what we face today, make us unstoppable. I want you to say with me, I have an unstoppable hope. It's rooted in unstoppable faith, grounded in unstoppable love, founded in an unstoppable God, And maybe this morning you've been operating in fear. You're facing some giants in your life, whatever they are, and you feel like you've been stopped dead in your tracks. Maybe your giants seem way too big. Maybe you feel way too small. Maybe you've even thought you should give up and go back. But God wants to restore today. He wants to renew. He wants to revive, and he wants to rekindle your faith right now. Where does your faith come from? It comes from God. So maybe that's you today, and you've been wavering in unbelief. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. But today, you want to say, God, restore my faith. God, revive my faith. Rekindle my passion to believe you for great things. If that's you today, whoever you are, and you're going through some difficult times today, I want you to stand to your feet right now. I want to pray for you right now. Stand to your feet all across this place. Because I believe that God wants to restore your faith today. Stand to your feet today. Say yes. Come on, stand to your feet today. Stand to your feet today. God wants to revive your faith today. God, touch them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, for those that are going through difficult times today, Father. God, I pray that you would help them to be people of faith, Lord. God, rekindle their faith right now. I want somebody that's sitting there, somebody that's standing, to stand up beside them right now. And I want you to just lay your hands on their shoulder, and I want you to just begin to pray for them right now. Hallelujah, God. How many of you in this room, you're not going necessarily going through a really difficult time in your life, but you know that God has called you to a deeper place a wider place of faith in your life. God has called you to do some things in your life that you've kind of said, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to go that way. 
Real faith is obedient faith. You say, there's something that God is calling me to be obedient to. I want you to stand to your feet right now and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, stand to your feet right now. All over this place. Stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet right now. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, I'm not certain that if I died today, I have hope of heaven. I don't know if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins that come into my life and be my Savior. I want you to stand your feet right now. Stand your feet right now. Say, yes, Lord. I'm, I want to receive you as my Savior right now and my Lord. Amen. I want everybody else right now to stand together. Everybody standing together as a family. Now, Anthony sang this song, and we're going to pray in a moment for everyone who stood. But Anthony sang song number two. That was powerful, Anthony. Did you catch that song? I believe in the Son. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Spirit. I want you to sing this, but I want you to sing it not as a song, but as a proclamation of who God really is. Come on, sing this together with Anthony. Do you believe?
promises of God so listen if you read a promise from God and it's there then you can visualize it be saved you and your household shall be saved I want you if you have a husband who's backslidden as bad as he can be I want you to visualize him one day getting out of the seat walking up this aisle broken before God getting saved hallelujah if you've been praying and believing God and you know that you know that God has told you that one day you're going to be doing something I want you to visualize yourself doing that which you know God has called you to do whatever it may be I remember when I was a young man and I believe God showed me a vision that one day I'd be preaching to hundreds of people and I just kept on visualizing it, kept on seeing it in my mind. One day, God, that's where I'm going to be in my lifetime. I'm here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want, I'm not talking about kind of spooky, weird stuff. I'm talking about locking into a promise of God. Locking, I'm, not, I'm not talking about something that you don't know is God's will, all right? I'm talking about you knowing, by his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. Maybe you're depressed. 
I have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I want you to see yourself dancing. Right now, you can't see yourself getting out of bed. But one day, I want you to see yourself dancing before the Lord saying, thank you, Jesus, for the joy of the Lord in my life. You see, you got to see it. Visualize it. Believe it. And go for it. Amen? Amen. And every step of the way, God will give you strength to see that thing come to pass. Now let's pray together. How many of you want to walk in faith, not in fear? Raise your hands. Walk in faith, not in fear. Come on, raise your hands. I want to walk in faith, not in fear. I want you right now, I want you to ask the Lord right now to take that seed of faith that's inside of you that he already gave you and make that seed of faith grow inside of you. As you hear the word, faith comes by hearing God's word. Amen? So as you take a step of faith, you start out with little steps of faith. Not big steps, but little steps, okay? You believe God for something. Believe God that he can heal you of a cold. And then believe God that he can heal you of whatever. And then go on and go on. Take a step of faith. Believe God that if your marriage is a mess, that God... Number one, will give you the strength to go back home and say, I love you, honey, because you haven't told your husband that you love him in a hundred years. So the first step is just say, I love you, honey. Wow. When he gets up off the floor and you got to give him a little oxygen, take that first step of faith. Take the first step of faith. Get around some people that believe God for you and share it with them and say, this is what I'm believing for you. Listen, if you tell somebody else you're believing for something, you can't go back because you've, you've, you've made that commitment. You've made that commitment, whatever it is. Okay, raise your hands again. Ready? All right, see, I, I, I like to make you do that. Raise your hands, and you, then you, you listen to me for a little while, and then you put them down again. Because some of you, this is the only exercise you're going to get all week long. All week long. All right, put your hands up. Ready? All right, come on. Let's pray this prayer together. Mean it from our hearts. I want you to pray, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. That when I was born again, you placed within me the seed of faith. Lord, make me faithful to that seed of faith. May I see that seed grow as I feed on the word, as I feed on worship, as I gather together with other believers. I will not, I refuse, I will not give in to fear, but I will see through the eyes of faith what you want for me to do, what you want for me to be, and what you want for me to have. You're a great God. There's nothing too difficult for you in the name of Jesus. Oh, some of you, you put your hands down like, oh, I can't do this. Come on, put your hands up and worship the Lord with me. Come on. Come on. Praise the Lord with me right now. Come on. Praise the Lord with me. Hallelujah. Yo, you awaken me. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. We'll see you next week. Don't forget, God has a plan for your life, and it's big. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus.